Welcome to another episode of Not Another Philly Sports Talk Show. The reason why you haven't heard the intro music yet is that we finally have a sponsor. It's Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Get 0% financing on all new Cadillac ATS, ATS Coupe, CTS, SRX, XTS, and Escalade models through August 31st. Cadillac is a luxury car, and Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey is a luxury car experience. Call 866-865-6973 or go to holmancadillac.com. Now, here's the show. I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say. You've got to open your heart. Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. That's right, we're live from the third floor of the Holman Cadillac Studios. Jonathan Tannenwald's fired up about our sponsor. I feel good for the I, I feel good for the kid. Jonathan Tannenwald's on vacation right now, uh, and thus I am joined by one Matthew Breen. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. John's actually on vacation driving the Cadillac that Holman gave him. He is. Anyway, I'm Dave Murphy, columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News, and we are here in the third floor of 801 Market Street, and we are going to talk about... Football and baseball, because that's what's going on right now. We are two days away at the moment. It's Tuesday afternoon, although you may be listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we're two days away from the Eagles' third and most important, they say, preseason game. And we're also a few days away from September, which means rosters expand and the Phillies will be calling up players. Will they, Matt? I guess we should ask you. Yeah, they're definitely going to call up some people. I don't think it's going to be a ton of guys, but... As you said, the rosters are expanding to 40, 25 right now. So the most you call it 15 people. But I would expect Nick Williams, outfielder at AAA, to be called up. Uh, J.P. Crawford, I don't think he's going to be called up. And that's because of the the Rule 5 draft at the winter meetings. It, you, know, you have to protect guys from the from the Rule 5 draft. And J.P. Crawford coming up would take a spot on the 40-man, which you're going to have to give to somebody you know, after the season to protect them. So it's – and you you want to keep him in the minors to um, you know halt his free agency as much as you can. So I think he's more like a May fifteenth guy. So he does not have to be on the forty this year. He doesn't. So to to refresh everybody on their inside their arcane baseball roster rules, uh, prospects essentially have three years in which they can be off the forty man roster, and then after three years. Or is it two? I know. I, I think it's like until you get I'm pretty drafted, sure it's is three. It, is it four? I I'm pretty it was sure longer. it's Really? All right. Yeah. It's well, like after your, the, your bir- something birth, it, you turn 18. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. Anyway. It's on the internet. It is on the internet. So so you can Google that if, if you're interested. We'll try to dig that up for you. Maybe we can get a researcher here now that we have a sponsor. Yeah. You know? Let's get a little uh, intern. Can we get an intern? I, I would intern if I was a college That's guy. why you're here. To learn from you and you Mike Sielski, you know, <laughs> APSC award-winning columnist. Hey, you know what? It's a lot of a no- lot of knowledge in a little room here. It's a very or little room. There's a lot of something in the little. You're a big fish in a little pond but, in this it, little room. Dude, it gets really hot in here. By the way, yeah. just wait. Just wait. That's just me. <laughs> just wait till I start talking. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're, I sat down with Paul Domowich. You may know him from our pages in the Daily News. Uh, he's a great football writer, longtime football writer. We uh, set up shop in the Novacare complex uh, 24 hours ago and broke down some of the roster decisions that will be coming up for these Eagles. 
Matt Breen, how much attention do you pay to football? Pay to football? I know you. I know you're a big Madden guy. Yeah, big Madden guy. Uh, fantasy football guy, and uh, I paid. Um, and I read our Eagle coverage. I read Daily News Eagles coverage. Um, follow the guys on Twitter, and as much as I can, you know, get away from the Phillies. It's that's the second thing that I'm probably following the most. I would say. But you're a football fan. Definitely, going to Chicago well, for week two. So you're actually probably a good. I mean, you're there in the neighborhood. I picture you sitting on the stoop every night with your. We don't have stoops in the Northeast. We have steps. What's the difference? I don't know. I, I just never heard people call it a stoop. So do you have a porch? I, I mean, we have. I just if like that if little no concrete thing. Outside, but if I, if I was sitting outside and I would say, hey, I'm sitting on my steps right now. Oh, okay. Then do you go down the corner, and hang out with your bay? Yeah, exactly. That's what my friends in the Northeast used to do. They used no, to they go didn't. meet on the corner. Yes, they did. Yeah, and like the now my friends are a lot older than you. Yeah, or maybe when they were teenagers. Talking to your microphone. Maybe when they were teenagers, not when they were 27. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I meant growing up. Yeah. So, so what's what's the mood like around this Eagles team? As somebody, a, what is the mood like amongst your uh, your people? And b, what is the outsider's view? Uh, you know, because we, it's tough to take a bird's eye view of this team when you've been at training camp and seen themselves competing. You know, last year we all thought the Eagles were going to go sixteen and zero. Yeah. Turns out they just happen to be competing against the Eagles' defense. Yeah, and the Green Bay Packers. Well, yeah. Uh, people are, I think, have a, a realistic expectations. I don't think anyone's expecting. Well, what is? But that's what I guess that's my question. What is realistic? To be competitive, I guess, is, would be a success. And then, because this year is all about Carson Wentz, and you know he's not even playing right now, so it doesn't really matter what Sam Bradford does. I, I just want to see Wentz sometime this season, and then next year is when you really have the real expectations of what it, what this team's going to be. But for now, it's just let's see how the Carson Wentz grows. It's kind of like how you would approach the Phillies or the Sixers as a rebuilding team and, you know, see what the future holds. Good. So, Wentz, are you excited about him? Definitely. It's kind of the unknown. You know, it's all – there's no negative to him because you don't really know much about him. So, you create whatever, uh, you know, expectations you want to have. And it's it's – Definitely more exciting than having Sam Bradford. So Carson Wentz is like an imaginary friend, essentially. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, Dario Saric. Yes. He can be whatever you want him to be. I like that. Yeah, that's but what then, I But then here's the thing. So it's like Schrodinger's cat, kind of. Do you know what that is? No. Schrodinger's cat? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I read that. It would It would just. Bl- it's probably not on the curriculum at uh, George Washington High School. Or not you... go to George Washington. Archbishop uh, Bryan. Um, it's probably not on the cricket Archbishop Ryan. They probably don't believe in Schrodinger. Actually, the Catholic Church probably hanged hanged Schrodinger back in the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think he was only he was like in, in the 1960s, I think. But they were, st- were they still hanging people back then? No, nah, I don't think so. Not in America. All right. Um, but what is anyway? Schrodinger's cat. cat it, it, it's very hard to explain. Essentially, there's a cat in a box, and until you open the box. And check to see if the cat is alive or dead. Alive or dead, it could be alive or dead. Can you just shake the box and if it meows, <laughs> it's alive? <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. Um, Smart guy. I think that kind of ruins the whole point. Uh, the whole thing is you don't know that you don't know something's dead. You don't know grandma's dead until you open up the casket and see for yourself that she's dead. Anyway, Google it. Um, What's in the box? It's actually kind of like you know what? It, it makes a lot of sense now, not to like get too uh abstract but the eagle season is very much like schrodinger's cat right now we uh we all assume it's dead but until we actually see it <laughs> it can't happen 
And I think that uh, it, it's funny. Chase Daniel was kind of in the in the uh, Schrodinger slash Carson Wentz position. I remember arguing with people on Twitter this offseason about that. You know, everybody just assumed it can't get worse than Sam. But that's the thing about Philadelphia is they always assume things can't get worse. And like I'm here to tell you, things can always get worse. And uh, you know, there was a school of thought that Chase, why not? Why don't the Eagles just sign Chase Daniel? Let him start instead of giving Bradford $18 million. Chase Daniel can do just as good a job as Sam Bradford. Guess what? No, he can't. We saw Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's dead. He's yeah. a cat. He's I a didn't cat. know how short Chase Daniel was either. Schrodinger's quarterback. Yeah, he is very short. He's listed at like six foot, but I'm six one, And I, I was standing next to him, and he was in cleats, and I was in Uggs. No, <laughs> there I'm just, you are. No, I'm just kidding. Crocs. No. Toms. No. The worst yeah, this, are Toms. Have you seen Toms? Toms look like guys. Don't wear Toms. That's all. I, I'm here to say, don't I, wear Toms. I, kinda, I don't own Toms, but uh, I've thought about it. Dude, they look like ballet. But slippers. they make like cool. They have like other models now that seem like more. They have a more structure to them. Yeah, my buddy who's married and thus thus uh, doesn't get to dress himself anymore wears Toms, and I make fun of him every time he does. So Toms, uh, I would gladly change my tomb if if you would like to purchase a sponsorship to our podcast. Uh, until then, how about Bob's? They're what are like Bob's? Skechers knockoff Toms. I thought Bob's was that electronic store. Well, that too, but Tom, Bob, Skechers made like the exact same thing as Tom's. They just called them Bob's. They even donate shoes when you buy a shoe, just like Tom's does. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, but we'll <laughs> take their sponsorship if you want it. Anyway, uh, give a call 1-800-TANNENWALD. We'll, uh, <laughs> our operators are standing by. <laughs> they probably literally are. Um, so, yeah, we're Phillies now. Who would be called up if not JP? Nick Williams, uh, I would bet, will be called up. Uh, Andrew Knapp's a guy that could be called up. Uh, Roman Quinn, he's only in double-A. He could be called up. Jorge Alfaro's in double-A. He could be called up, but I, I wouldn't bet on that. But I, get, Wait, get, Let me stop you there. Roman Quinn, ha, has something changed over the course of the season? Like, has he started playing well? Well, he, he was hurt for for uh, almost two months of the season. He would be in triple-A right now if he didn't miss all the time he missed last year and all the time he missed this year. I would so, be in AAA right now if I. You would if a lot of things broke. You'd be like a quad A guy, right? But he he would be in tri- he should be in AAA right now, but he's in Double A, and they're stretching him out. They're playing him in left and right field along with center. So he's. I just wrote about this Sunday. Mm, I read you know, all of it. Some, yeah, thank you. Everybody loves it. How vers he's you know adding some versatility to his game, and he's super fast. Um, I would I would like to see how he plays, how he covers Citizens Bank Park in the outfield, and. What kind of piece he looks like? Uh, yeah, I'm a Roman Quinn. I'm a Roman Quinn skeptic. How come? Just because of the health concerns? No, it's actually the opposite. Every time I read about the health concerns, I always think to myself, if the health is what com- keeps him from being a major leaguer, then I think that would be, exceed my expectations. I just don't think he has a major league swing. Like I think he, I think he has way too much swing and miss for the kind of player he needs to be. He he kind of reminds me as a hitter of uh, Cesar Hernandez a little bit, except he's got more swing and miss than Cesar Hernandez. Like he's kind of got this like loopy little uppercutty swing, and I'm not sure that minor league pitchers know how to exploit it. But he's got a lot of swing and miss for the minor leagues, and I think that will only. Yeah, that that would be a if you see him in September, that's quite the jump. Now I will from Double A to the majors. I will say this: I am not a scout. Neither am I. All right. Well, we agree on something. Aaron Nola, what's his prognosis moving forward? Hopeful. The Phillies are hopeful that he'll be back for spring training. The same with Zach Eflin. But Aaron Nola's 
it's a little kind of a scary situation. He he, I wouldn't say Tommy John's out of the question right now. Really, Matt Klintak said no one's talking about Tommy John surgery right now. But you know, whenever that the elbow comes in the question, you know, you're you're not going to you can't be at least thinking that's a possibility. Yeah, I guess the concern is. Well, I mean, the the tendon's either or the ligament is either torn or it's not, isn't it? Yeah, what why what, what would the question be? I I guess it's since it's injured, it could it could tear. I'm sure. I, I don't. I, I he's not a scout. I'm not a doctor, but just whenever you hear the UCLs and you hear guys, yeah, you know, anytime you hear Doctor James Andrews, the Grim Reaper of sports, yeah, it it's just I, I don't. What has he said about it? James Andrews? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, give me give, get him give on Jimmy the, give, get him on the horn. Give me give, give Jimmy A a call. And let's <laughs> go right to the, let's go right to the source. Um, no I mean, maybe we could get maybe we could get somebody to make to to pretend that they're James Andrews <laughs> to give us a call. Um, no, what has Aaron Nola said about it? He thinks he'll be ready for spring training. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's see it's funny like elbows are weird. I mean, I went two years thinking Masahiro Tanaka was going to eventually have surgery, and he still hasn't. Yeah. At the same time, he also hasn't been the pitcher that he once was. Uh, last guy, uh, Jay Happ was a guy like that. He never made the, the the feared visit to Dr. Andrews, I don't think, but his velocity was down for a little while, and he, he went through a year or two stretch where he wasn't very effective. And now, of course, you know, as I call it all along, he's a Cy Young candidate. <laughs> uh, you are a scout. Yeah. One in every, they say three, three out of every ten make the Hall of Fame. I would be a Hall of Fame scout. <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, I sat down with Paul Domowich, and we, uh, among other things, talked about Stephen Tullock, talk, talked about Jordan Hicks, and talked about a bunch of guys who, whose names you may or may not know, but who will, will be in the roster conversation. Like one of the things that we, I don't know if you read today's Daily News, Matt Breen, but. The thing I wrote about today was whether the Eagles are erring on the side of the future or erring on the side of competing in 2016 and whether they can do both. And, and you know, it comes into play with guys like Paul Turner, the young undrafted free agent who maybe wouldn't help the team as much as Chris Givens, although I think he's kind of a special circumstance. I think Josh Huff might be more of with the guy we're looking at. You know, is there a place for a 27-year-old one tool player in Chris Givens on a rebuilding team. You know, I mean, there's actually a lot of parallels with the Phillies. You saw them answer very firmly that they were going to err on the side of the future a couple of years ago. And maybe Tommy Joseph never makes the major leagues if they don't do that. Yeah. You know, if Jeff Frank is back and, you know, if Jeff Frank is back on this team, Tommy Joseph might never even get a look if you think about it. Well, they quite different positions. Right. But Jeff Frank would be on the roster. Yeah. I guess taking up a spot from him. Yeah. But. The one thing the Eagles point I want to make is that the wide receiver core, and that we we're talking about Chris Givens, everyone's ripping the wide receivers. I, I don't, I don't agree with all the hate on the wide receiver core. Why not? Um, Green Dor- Doriel Green Beckham, I think you don't really. He's kind of an unknown guy, second year in the league. Um, Nelson Aguilar, second year in the league. You ready to write these guys off because they had average, you know, f- rookie years. That's not why I'm writing Nelson Aguilar off. And I've already labeled Nelson Aguilar a bust. I don't think he's going to be an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, I just – I hate labeling a guy a bust after I know. such a short sample size. I hate a lot of things that, that happen in life. But, you know, some sometimes 
your Nelson Aguilar's don't pan out. And I think I'm still on the Agu- Aguilar train. I just don't think I, you know, I've watched this guy up close for two years now or a year and a half now, two training camps and a regular season. And he just does not look like a guy who's physical and who has the physical capabilities to play the style of football he needs to play given the skill set that he has. He's a very upright runner. Uh, he has very narrow hips. He has very skinny legs. Uh, if you know, I always, I, this is, I say this ad nauseum, as I say most things, but Emmanuel Sanders and Antonio Brown are similarly sized, you know, similarly skilled receivers, and they're both built like gymnasts because that's kind of how you have to be, and that's kind of how Paul Turner is built, and it's why he's, you can see it on the field. He's got a very low center of gravity. He stops and starts very quickly. He's not a long strider. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, he gets, he gets nudged off his route so easily. You know, I broke down on Philly.com last week after the uh, the game against Pittsburgh. I broke down a play in which, or after the game against Tampa Bay, I broke down a play in which Aguilar just got, you know, kind of forearm shivered out of bounds by an undrafted cornerback. And, and yeah, it, it could have been a penalty, but it's the kind of contact that you have to be able to run through in the NFL. And I just have not seen that out of Aguilar. I like Jordan Matthews. He's just not a game breaker. Um, so I understand. I, I, I guess I understand your hope. I just don't know that there's, I don't know that it's based in reality. I'm just, it's a, this is what this year is one of the things I'm looking at is, you know, are these guys as bad as everyone says they are? Or, or can they have, you know, come into their own and have a good year? I think that's part of this season too. If you're oh, going to gauge it is see who is Carson Wentz thrown to in 2017. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Who was he throwing to? Who on this roster is here in 2017? I don't think Aguilar's here in 2017. Well, that, that's what this year is. Right. Will, uh, will let us know. I think is Jordan Green Matthews Beckham is here in 2017. Excuse me? Green Beckham. If he has a good year, I guess. Yeah. What, uh, you that's know, what this depends I'll, t- I'll say this. Green Beckham interests me just because the guy is an amazing physical. Uh, Frank Reich said today, he's a physical specimen. Yeah. And he is. It's amazing how big this guy is. And he's, he's got the frame. He's got everything. But there's a re- I keep going back to the fact that there's a reason the team that drafted him and had an entire year to look at him and spend time around him, a team that's in a rebuilding mode, has an even worse situation at wide receiver than the Eagles, and who can afford to take chances on guys. There's a reason why they let go a player whom they drafted in the top 50 last year. You know, maybe they're dumb. They did trade for DeMarco Murray. Yeah. I like DeMarco Murray this year in fantasy. Yeah? That's yeah, just throwing it out there. That is a fantasy. Yeah. Well, Matt Breen, I'll tell you who the official fantasy football running back of not another Philly sports talk show is. You may know him as Cadillac Williams. And speaking of Cadillacs, let me tell you about what our friends, our good friends over at Holman Cadillac have to offer. 0% financing on all models. New new Cadillac models, ATS, ATS Coupe, CTS, SRX, XTS, and Escalade models through August 31st, 2016. That is just a week or so away. So uh, hurry on down there. Cadillac, a luxury car, home in Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. It's a luxury car experience. Call 866-865-6973. Jonathan Tannenwald will be standing by. Or go to www.homeandcadillac.com. Or, or 
slash and stop in and drive the all-new full-size CT6 luxury sedan as well as the all-new XT5 crossover at Holman Cadillac. Again, that number is 866-865-6973 or holmancadillac.com. Well, you know what else is a fantasy, Matt? Sitting across from Paul Domowich on the second floor of the Novacare Complex talking football, which is something that I had the opportunity to do on Monday we uh, we took a half hour and we started to break down some of the Eagles' roster decisions that they're going to have to make. Doug Peterson had had held a press conference earlier in the day and he addressed some of the team's longer-term philosophies with regards to roster construction. Uh, pretty much what it boiled down to was we're going to keep the best 53. Stephen Tulloch apparently is one of them. Uh, but who will the other 52 be? I asked Paul Domowicz a series of questions and he, as always, was quite illuminating. We are live from the Novacare Complex. I am Philadelphia Daily News columnist David Murphy, joined by longtime football writer Paul Domowich. And Paul, today people started to ask Doug Peterson the magic questions about his final roster decisions. Um, I think one of the more interesting guys is Josh Huff. And we will get into that in a few minutes. But first, the big news, obviously, Stephen Tulloch signed. Do you envision him as a backup? I mean, it sounded he, – he certainly didn't get backup money at this point in the game. But uh, Doug Peterson said today that there are no plans at the moment to move Jordan Hicks out of the middle, that Tulloch will come in and compete for a spot. But he did not say a starting spot necessarily. Yeah, he was uh, he was purposely vague. Um, you know, I mean, one we got to see what kind of condi- what kind of shape he's in. Uh, he's 31 years old. Uh, he only played 70 percent of the of their downs last year, their snaps at uh, Detroit. So I'm not sure we're even talking about an every down player anymore. Um, you know, I mean, Hicks. He's played okay so far, uh, but the the problem with him, I don't. I mean, I, I think he can hold off Tulloch. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy, and you're going to need Tulloch to start. So I, I don't see Tulloch coming in and taking the starting job away from him anytime soon. Uh, and and you know, Peterson indicated there was he wasn't thinking right now about moving Hicks to say the weak side linebacker spot where Kendrick seems to be forever hurt. And forever playing bad and forever getting beat by uh, running backs and tight ends. So, you know, right now I think he's coming. But make a long story short, uh, I think he's going to be coming in as a backup. What kind of player is he? And is he still that kind of player? Or, or do we have any idea? <clears throat> I don't think we really know. Uh, you know, he, he, he has, he's durable f- for sure. I mean, he... <clears throat> he's made 111 starts uh, for Detroit and Tennessee. He knows... Schwartz's defense, uh, which is which is very important uh, because you've got to be in the right gap in this thing, or disaster is going to loom when somebody runs against that wide nine. So, you know, I think it's what he knows more than what he can still do. Uh, I don't, you know, I got just by the fact that he's made, he's been in the league ten years, and is thirty-one years old. I've got to believe he's not the player he was, say, early in his career. Well, and the uh, fact that he was actually out there and available to be signed. I mean, exactly. Good. Yeah, nobody was jumping at him on him. Uh, Detroit didn't want to keep him for the money that uh, they would have had to pay. Uh, but he's making, you know, $3 million is not money you're bringing in to let him sit on the bench either. So, um, you know, I think one in some shape or form he's going to get some snaps. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm, 
my gut sense is that when you're talking about Hicks and Kendricks, you're not talking about two guys that are going to stay healthy all season. So they'll find a way to use them. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Peterson kind of say what you said to preface his responses today, which was first we have to get him in here and see what kind of physical shape yeah. he is. I yeah. mean, this is essentially like buying a used car on <laughs> Craigslist. Yeah. They have not seen the guy yet. And I guess the comparable situation sort of would be Miles Austin last year where the guy comes in and I don't know what his film showed the year before with Cleveland, but he just looked like he couldn't run. Yeah. Um, and linebacker, we saw how fast it goes with D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. You know, it's one of those positions where you got to do everything in three seconds. And, yeah. you know, if you lose a half a step, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. There's a school of thought that Jordan Hicks is better off suited to, to Will or Sam. Uh, do you buy that, or do you think he's a middle linebacker? I honestly don't know because I've never seen him play 4-3 Mike. Um, you know, he's not a big guy, uh, but neither is Tulloch, uh, and he's played middle in this defense for uh, all of his 10 years, I mean, for in, in Tennessee and then in Detroit. So we'll see. Um, you know, there's – I think to a degree in this defense, those three spots are interchangeable. Certainly the Sam and, and the Will are. Uh, the Mike might be a little bit different because uh, you're probably taking on, uh, uh, you know, more blockers. But, um, you know, we'll see. If, if Tulloch is, is really, you know, if he comes in here and knocks their socks off, you know, maybe they think of, you know, because I got to believe right now Jim Schwartz is not real happy with Michael Kendricks. He's coming off a bad year a year when, when he was a real liability covering uh, linebackers and tight ends, and, and now he's been out for two weeks with what initially was described as hamstring tightness. It wasn't even injury, an injury. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't, it seems like ever since – after Chris Collinsworth, it seems like Michael Kendricks doesn't have a whole lot of, a lot of backers. Every, everybody who takes a look at the guy seems to uh, – <laughs> but, I mean, he's got the athletic – I mean, you heard oh, Jim yeah. Schwartz. He said he's, he's got the athleticism, obviously. But how important in this defense is – the, the mental part of the game, um, you know, the re I don't even know if it's a mental thing with Kendricks. He just seems like, you know, for every play he makes, he get he, he, you also see him trailing on a gash that, that a yeah. running back would go for 30 yards. And this defense, in Schwartz's defense, how important is filling gaps? And Well, you know, I, I mean, you hear people say that this is, you know, linebacker in this defense is gonna, just plays downhill, which is plays to Michael's strengths. By the same token, I mean, one of the things you saw – in 2012, when this defense was just horrible when they played the wide nine, was people biting on play fakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's – I mean, that's something he's going to have to watch out for. Uh, so, it's you do have to think. You do have to have some instinctive uh, ability. And, uh, you know, that's not – you know, as we've seen, <laughs> that's not one of Michael's strands. He's a, he, you're right. He's a terribly ath a gifted athletic guy. But, you know, there's more to this game. It's interesting because, you know, it, there's a couple other guys like that, uh, although I don't know that we've seen the gifted part of Mike, Marcus Smith. We've certainly seen the gifted part of Josh Huff uh, yeah. on some of his kick returns. And even, you know, I think about that. Was it the Dolphins game where, where he scored on that catch and run? Mm -hmm. uh, one of those games. He clearly has. Yeah. You can see why people like Josh Huff. You can see why the previous regime liked Josh Huff. At the same time, this preseason we've seen the things – there aren't to like about Josh Huff yeah, as well. And, yeah. you know, it, I guess the question is how much untapped potential is there? If he hasn't gotten together now, will he ever get it together? And how much future or how much present value is there? Yeah. And, you know, I think a guy like Paul Turner probably makes a team. Would you say that? I mean, starting to look that way. Yeah. And uh, I think this is going to be a big game for him, uh, a big game for Huff. But if, if 
Huff's not going to make the team. It's probably going to be because Paul Turner did. Um, you know, they can replace – I mean, Huff's a good kick returner, but that's right. that's replaceable. They can use Kenyon Barner. They can use a cast of thousands back there and, and probably still get similar production. Um, you know, it's funny. I I talked to Mike Quick in, like after they hired – they got their coaching staff together and hired G- Greg Lewis mm-hmm. as a receivers coach, and he thought the guy that was going to really benefit the most was Huff, that – you know that they were going to be moving him inside to the slot, and that working with you know working with G. Lou, that he thought Huff was really going to come into his own this year in the slot, where he's more, he's a better player than he is on the outside because he's not really he's not big, he's not terribly fast. He's a guy though that can that can move inside and get open, but we haven't seen that this this camp this preseason so far. So uh, unless it you know. We talked to him today. He knows. He knows he needs to show something on on Saturday. And uh, you know, like you said about Paul Turner, I mean, the kid's been spectacular. And I, you know, it's 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 a, right now. Josh Huff is on the bubble. Yeah, like I mean, it's just, well, let's go through the wide receivers because you would say Green Beckham has a spot, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't make that trade. A A, you're making that trade, and you, you know he's not going to know the offense by week one, so you're already willing to kind of swallow hard, maybe not get what you're expecting of him later in the season early on. So, yeah, he's, he's on the squad. So then, And then, obviously, Aguilar and, and Matthews are, are definites. Right. And then after that, it, it gets really interesting. I, you know, I, I spent probably a half hour, 45 minutes, kind of, break, kind of going through all the various combinations, and I, I, just, I don't know that I see one with Ruben Randall on the team. Yeah. Um, you know, I just don't know what he – it's amazing how lackadaisical he looks out there, yeah. um, you know. And he's got—he's obviously got the size, and you know, he's got some experience in the NFL, and and he's another one of these guys that people have been waiting for forever. Yeah. But I mean, if he does like get like, so I just don't see a scenario where Randall makes the team over Givens because Givens at least can run fast in a straight line yeah. and occupy a safety. Is that? Do you disagree with that? Do you agree with that? What? what? I agree, and the fact that they signed. Uh, Green Beckham, right? You got similar player to Ruben Randall. You've got a guy in the red got zone, back shoulder fades, blah blah blah. And a guy you're taking, you know. I guess the thought with Randall too would be maybe he develops a little bit on your watch. Yeah. And Green Beckham kind of fills all those roles. Yeah. It would seem. I mean, you know, Rand, watching Randall's attitude and and work ethic this camp has been real. You know, I mean, and I'm not a coach, so I mean, they must be just terribly frustrated. Oh yeah. You know, a big question here is how many receivers is he going to keep? Um, clearly. They're putting a big emphasis on using multiple tight ends. They're also using a big emphasis on throwing a Sproles as a receiver, mm-hmm. which Kelly didn't do enough of. Um, so I don't know how that affects the number they keep. Maybe, you know, I usually I kind of, with well, every year with Kelly they kept six. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a given here with this team. No, and it was interesting team. because not only is six not a given. You, you, heard, you, you heard mentioned P- four yeah, today. That, yeah, that kind of jumped out at me. Peterson. Yeah. Somebody asked Peterson about – I don't know if it was about a huff or or what the question was, but Doug Doug Peterson essentially said a lot depends on how many we decide to keep, whether yeah. it's four, five, or six receivers. I mean, he he mentioned four as a possibility, yeah. and he, you know, he he said earlier in camp it sounded like he was he liked to keep four tight ends, and that makes sense because they've got they've got and we've seen them in this preseason we, they've got a lot of four tight end mm-hmm. sets or I mean excuse me three tight end sets, and you know at that point if you lose yeah. a tight end to injury then you're you know. And they could use that, the, you know, the fourth tight end who we, we are assuming is going to be that Chris uh, Pantel. Chris Pantel has been the guy they've been lining up at fullback on the right. uh, rare occasion when they. And he plays special they, teams. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think it would be, I think it's more likely that they keep four tight ends than it is that they keep yeah. you know, air on the side of receivers. The question is, so we, we, we 
we listed, let's see, four. I would say four receivers have a pretty good chance. Turner, uh, Matthews, uh, Aguilar, and Beckham. Beckham so now the question four. is, do you keep – do you, do you, do you think what do you think of Chris Givens? I don't I don't know what to make out out of Chris Givens. Yeah, he hasn't had a I mean he hasn't like done anything great that we've seen. He's been competent. You know, he does have a, a background with with Bradford. I don't know how much uh emphasis you put on that because I don't think that's terribly important no. considering that you know, I mean Bradford has his people that he throws to uh Ertz and Matthews and you know, he's, he's one of the few guys who can get deep, but we haven't seen that happen right. in the preseason. or in, 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 We've seen it a few times in camp. He can play special teams. They've used him on special teams. He gets down the field pretty quick. So, I mean, I, I guess the one thing I think – I mean, Givens is probably your only – I just think back to that Bills game last year where they came out with zero safeties at times. And yeah. That, it was a huge liability, the fact that they just did not have – a wide receiver capable of running a fly route and yeah. taking an extra safety out of the play. I wonder if it just seems like an Andy Reid offense has always kind of had that guy, even if they're not necessarily productive. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if, if Givens might be that guy. Um, but it's a it's a huge question mark. And then Huff, obviously, do you keep six? Yeah. You know, the, the thing about Huff is uh, my, my personal feeling is that he'd be a better running back than he would be he is a wide receiver. They they have in camp used him on some run plays, on some end arounds and stuff, but you're not going to keep him around just for that. And it's a little too late to make a position switch like that right now. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think of, of those guys, I, I think Givens right now probably has the edge as far as keeping cuz like you said they need somebody that can get vertical. What about what about Marcus Smith on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, we've got the way I look, the way the way I looked at it, I have Means Stephen Means yeah. on the team as your fourth defensive end. Uh, I mean, there's no way he's got a spot. I would think after this, not unless they keep a fifth defensive end that basically is going to be a game day inactive. Right. Uh, you you, know. you mean not a, not a, no to Marcus or no to Means? No to Marcus. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Means I think has played better than he has. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marcus. I mean, Smith and Means had that one play last week where. They both kind of came off the edge and played, you know, made the play. But Means has had a much better overall camp, and I think he's a much better player. Um, and then so you have – so on the defensive line I have, obviously, Barwin and Graham making the team, Means and Curry. So that's four defensive ends. And then Bo Allen, Mike Martin. Mike Martin's on the team, correct? He 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 probably was going to be their third uh, defensive end or, or defensive yeah. tackle until he got hurt. Is he – how how, how – I don't know. I don't know. He's not even being mentioned right anymore when they go over uh, injuries. So hmm. I saw him in the locker room today, but I didn't ask him how his knee was because he would just say, "Okay." Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's got to get back on the field. Uh, but they're, you know, I got to believe he's got a, a spot. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, if not him, I guess who would be the fourth defensive end? Taylor, Taylor Hart. Yeah. So uh, I do you think Taylor does Taylor Hart any? have any shot at making the team if Martin is the fourth defensive end? Strictly depends, you know, because they'll keep more than eight. They'll keep nine. They'll right. probably keep nine defensive linemen, whether it's a tackle or whether it's an end. That's the question. Well, I guess then the question comes down to – I would keep Taylor Hart and cut Marcus Smith right. in, a, in, a, in a minute. <laughs> Do you keep Marcus Smith? It's almost like the guys that, that are competing with each other are Marcus Smith, Taylor Hart, and Brayman. Do you keep a guy like Brian Brayman yeah, for like, special teams ability? Oh, I forgot about Brayman. Yeah, Brayman's going to stay. So, uh, okay. But, but strictly, you know – I mean, he's not going to ever play for you on defense, but he's such a good special teams player that uh, you know he seems to always have a job. The um, and now linebackers, do you see you know six right now? 
Um, they released Deontay Skinner today. Do you see a guy like C.J. Goss or Mike Tavares making the team as a seventh linebacker? You know, they, they paid Tavares extra money. I mean, he's, he got – for an undrafted rookie, he got – pretty much I forget what his signing bonus was but it's it's the pretty much the most you usually pay a guy that's a priority free agent you know they love him they love him on special teams and I think that's you know we'll see here he's been he's been out there on most of their special teams I haven't seen him make a whole lot of plays yet but he gets down the field I think he makes this team do you think what about Goss do you think Goss I mean, they don't keep eight linebackers, yeah. do they? No, I think yeah, I think it comes down to. I think Goss is a practice squad guy. I would say. Yeah, I mean, they could put they could put either one or both on the on the practice squad, and uh, you know nobody's going to. I don't think sign them. So the the uh, while we're on the practice squad, do you think Caleb Jones is a practice squad guy? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to. Th- I like C.J. Smith. I thought C.J. Mm-hmm. Smith has had a good preseason. He just needs to put some weight yeah. on. I think. Yeah. Um, I you know I. I'm very impressed with their drafted guys all around mm-hmm. this year. I think Byron Marshall's got got a shot. They released uh, Cedric O'Neill the other day. Yeah, I was surprised about that, but he really hasn't shown a whole lot. But I thought he would show more. So then the other question, another guy I have is one of either the the last off or the, the either the last on and the first off is is uh, Will Grimes. Mm-hmm. I always call him Brent Aaron Grimes. Oh, or Aaron Grimes. <laughs> I don't know why I went Will. I I've been calling him Brent Grimes all camp. Uh, there's a Will Grimes somewhere yeah. in this world. Yeah, there's a Brent Grimes, though. <laughs> but uh, a lot of Grimeses. Um, he is a guy that looks like an NFL player. Yeah. It's probably the best way to describe it. I mean, he's got a great great body. I, I would have to think he's good on special teams. Yeah. Uh, former CFL guy. You wrote about him earlier this camp. He got hurt recently. Yeah, shoulder. Is uh, he – w- what is that – do you know where that stands? And does that impa- impact yeah. his, his roster bit at all? I, I think they'll find some pl- – you know, I don't – I mean, he's got a shoulder that – unless it's – I mean, he said after the game that it was nothing. And then we later find out that it's a shoulder sprain. And, um, you know, so you don't know how long he's out. It could be severe, and maybe they put him on IR. Maybe they put him on the practice squad for now. Um, one way or another, I don't think they let him go because um, he had this roster made because I think they would have kept six corners, which is a lot, but uh, – um, they're not going to let Eric Rowe go, and, and right now he's number five. So, yeah. And then the guys I have after so the, so, Jacory Shepard would be gone. He'd be gone. Um, which Jaylen, is Jalen Mills stays. Jalen Mills stays. Uh, I forget who else I have um, down there. Well, offensive line. Do you keep now? Lane Johnson does not count against the roster during the time he's suspended, but it seems like they've kind of slotted Andrew Gardner into that roster spot because. Yeah. The news broke a couple yesterday or a couple of days ago that Gardner took a pay cut, and he wouldn't have taken a pay cut if if they were planning on releasing him. I would have, right. I would have thought they said take a pay cut or we will release you. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the the question there becomes all right. Here's a question: Stefan Stefan Wisniewski, guy comes into camp, you know, not did not get huge money, but it was a free agent signing. Mm-hmm. Is running with the first team for most of camp. Is on the first team death chart at least while Brooks was out, and then. Uh, He's kind of disappeared, and, and they put Samalu in there. And, yeah. and what, where does he stand? Is, is there any chance he, he's the backup center, but is there any chance he doesn't make the team so they can keep a guy like, I don't know, Dylan Gordon or, or – Yeah, I mean, I think there is a chance he gets cut because uh, I don't know what, what they're doing with him. I mean, <laughs> no. This guy's been a starter his entire career, and they don't want to start him. So they and it was weird because it, it happened, like, really quickly. Like yeah. all this, And Samalu did not play well that first preseason game. And then all of a sudden yeah. they came back from that first preseason game, and Samalu start. – they're rearranging the entire offensive line of Samalu in the starting lineup. Well, early in camp, I mean, I remember one – I mean, at one point, Samalu, who was so confused because of the fact that he – 
didn't attend any of the spring camps because of that stupid graduation mm-hmm. rule. You know, Jeff Stoutland yells to him, you're going to get somebody killed out there. <laughs> I mean, so that's that, that's how clueless he was at that point. He's gone from there to now being a starter while, while Wisniewski's like out out there uh, in no man's land. So, I, you know, it's it, it's really confusing because you don't know what this team's trying to do right, right. now. Are they, they, they clearly, by the fact that they're bringing in Tulloch for $3 million, is, is probably more than anything else an indication that they want to contend this year. But do they want to contend enough to uh, to 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 not play Samalo so that he will be uh, behind next year when when they want him to really start when you know when they really revamp this line when uh, Jason Peters is gone and things like that? And I I mean I asked Doug Peter I actually asked Doug Peterson about that today at the press conference because you know the more the more time you spend looking at the roster and who, mm-hmm. who you know all the various combinations the more you realize why teams it's very hard for them to both try to contend this year and plan for the future because, mm-hmm. you know, Wentz, you know, for example, Wentz, you know, they did not draft him because he's one of the best 53 right now. They drafted him because they think he can be one of the very best 53 in the future. Right Now, a guy like Stefan Wisniewski, a guy like Steven Tulloch, a guy like, you know, I mean, you could even go down, down the line to like a Connor Barwin, but l- let's keep it at the journeyman guys. You know the Brian Bramans of the world, the Maragoses of the world. Right. They, they they will they have a hundred percent chance of they're a hundred percent unlikely to be on this team in three years when Carson Wentz is theoretically you know right under center. So with that being the case, do you want to like take Dylan Gordon, the the blocking fullback for blocking tight end from LSU? You know people think he's got some some potential. He's got mm-hmm. quick feet, but he just clearly is not. You're not going to put him in an NFL game right now. At the same time. You know, to get him on the practice squad, he's got to clear through clear waivers. And, you know, there are teams who actually are rebuilding right now. And, you know, a Cle- right. like take a team like the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns who have made no bones about the fact that they're just stockpiling young talent right now. Do you want – do you can you do both? I mean, can you can you, yeah. can you can you try to win games this year without jeopardizing, you know, some of these last final roster spots that could be going to young guys who, who will be inactive and – but who yeah. could help you in a few years? I mean, you have to take some gambles if you're going to do that. Um, you know, I think with a guy like like him, you have to you're, you're going to you got to put him on the practice squad. And just hope nobody signs him. If, right. If they do, you know, so be right. it. You know, that's just a gamble you got to take because uh, you you can't keep him on your no. 53. Um, you know, I don't know whether they can do this. Uh, you know, it's going. I mean, they're very thin on on so many positions. No matter who they keep that uh, it's a matter of whether they can stay healthy or not. I mean, you know, I mean, let's start from the top with Bradford. If he gets hurt, I mean, right. they're not going anywhere with Chase Daniel. Uh, but, and- like, Tullock's, an, Tullock's a great example because, you know, especially if he's signed thinking he's going to be a backup. Right. Because at that point, I mean, can't you th- – you know, there's a school of thought that says if you need t- Stephen Tullock, you're already in a position where – you're probably not going to contend. Yeah. So then why even sign Steven Tullock? Instead, use that roster spot on a Gauss or on a, you know, uh, Mike Tavares and keep another one of these young guys. Mm-hmm. And Peterson wasn't really clear about how, how he's going to proceed, but I think it's clear from the way they've acted this year and, and just this recent signing that they're they're prioritizing the best 53 for, for, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah. Is that – do you think that's where this team should be? Should be? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this is – the because I don't think they are the Browns. I mean, I think this right. is a team in a division that – I mean, although I think the NFCs can be better than a lot of people think, mm-hmm. but they are a team that can at least 
initially compete. Uh, and so it didn't make sense to just totally throw everything away and rebuild, especially in Philadelphia. You can't get, unless you're the sick, well, you, you know, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're doing something really weird and funky. Unless like nobody's that. paying attention. Yeah. You, I mean, but it, in football, you can't, right. I mean, in, the Eagles can't do that. They and really can't. you're not, you're never, you're very rarely actually rebuilding in the NFL yeah, because the, tur- exactly. the turnaround time, I mean, one yeah. good draft and you're. Worst to first is like every, it happens every year yeah. with the, with at least three, four teams every year. So it's, but it's almost like it, it, the question is almost only pertinent to those final five or six roster spots, you know, yeah. especially when you're looking at a guy like Brayman, you know, uh, I think he makes the team as well, yeah. but the only, his only utility is as a cover man on yeah. special teams. Well, you know, a guy that's in, cause special teams has, has been so important to them. It was under chip. I think it still is, or they wouldn't have kept Dave Phipp. Um, but Blake Countess. Yeah. Uh, well, he's another guy. They, you know, you watch, he's out there on every special teams. They obviously like him as a special teamer. Uh, they talked about his special teams ability when they uh, when they drafted him. Yet he's just been okay playing safety out there. So, you know, if if you right now they have no depth uh, at safety. Although, you know, I mean, because it, it very well could be Blake Countess and Jalen Watkins. Right. Are you willing to do that? And an- another thing, Dave, is – I think we're going to see some guys get claimed here. I mean, this is going to be a year where, you know, where you're going to see them pick. You're going to, you know, you're, you're going to think there's their 53, and a day later, that's yep. not their 53. Well, here's a position. So, and this is the position to me that it's most likely to at this point is running back because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's almost self-evidential. They they have one of the worst running back depth charts in the NFL, or at least one of the most uncertain. It almost seems, it almost seems likely that a guy will get the fourth running back on a, or a fifth running back on another team will get released and be better than the fourth running back on this team. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, the one guy, and then the, the one guy, Wendell Smallwood, we haven't even, we don't even know if he exists. Right. Well, but not, he's not only that, but we haven't seen Wendell Smallwood right. and, and Darren Sproles is, is, is a running back in name only. Mm-hmm. They are not going to use him more than two or three times a game on a, on a runs. Right. Cause a, he'll get killed. And Ryan and, Matthews and, gets hurt. Exactly. And B and, and he gets hurt. And, and, and you're left with Kenyon Barner, who's looked good in the preseason, yeah. but he's got 28 career carries. And I he's mean, you small. don't know what, And he's small, right. So, I mean, that would seem to be a place where they'd claim somebody. Kenyon Barner, every time he gets hit, I swear, yeah. I wonder if he's going to rise and walk again. And he does, to, to his credit. Well, beginning, but, beginning of camp, you know, he, was, he said, you look a little bigger. I and mean, he's like, kind of, like, gives yeah. you that look like, yeah, you can tell, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Yeah. You're not that big, but yeah, he did put on a little muscle, but he's still a little guy. Yeah, and the reason I I started thinking about it when I read a story. I don't know if it was in the Denver Post or or, or someone who covers the Broncos mentioned early in camp the possibility of a guy like Ronnie Hillman getting cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Chiefs; they've got Jamal Charles coming back, Spencer Ware, Chandrick West. All of a sudden, you know, does Nile Nile Davis get right. cut? Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of guys. When you, I mean, the Ravens have have drafted a bunch of running backs over the last few years. Yeah. Lorenzo Talaferro might be a guy who could get cut. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, I think, I think you're right. I think that there's a lot of, of, of uh, balls that could be in the air once these, these cuts start happening. Are there any other guys that, that you've heard of that veteran guys, not, not like a Chris Johnson, but just yeah. more of like an incremental upgrade. No, I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to who might be out there, but there will be some that, especially like you said, at running back where, it, you know, you, you can bring a running back in, and, and it's not going to take them long to figure to know enough to to be able to use them on Sundays. So, so do you think Kenyon Barnard is ultimately on the team? 
if if I had to guess right now, I would say Wendell Smallwood is a concern. I mean, really? that he might be. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know he's a fifth round pick. <laughs> you know, usually you say fifth round pick. Yeah, you know, he right. doesn't have much of a chance to make the team anyway. Now this guy's their uh, was their their second highest pick. Uh, but you know he hadn't been on the field, and until he gets out there and shows us something, and and Barner has, uh, you know, so I would think Smallwood's not a, a lock to make this roster if they can pick up somebody, because mm-hmm. they could always put Smallwood on the practice squad. If he gets claimed, he gets claimed. If signed, if he gets signed, he gets signed. If he doesn't, you got him there in case uh, at some point you want to sign him again. Yeah, it's it, it, it's amazing how little he's played. Yeah. I mean, how is he even ready for the season? I mean, even if he's healthy now, is he, is he even ready for the season? I mean, it's, so you're going to, then you would end up, I mean, you're going to end up carrying a guy, like you said, or a guy who is a running back in name only in Darren Sproles, who also happens to be ancient. Yeah. By running back, ter- by running back terms. A guy in Ryan Matthews who's played 16 games in his career twice, I think, and frankly, you know, looks to be on the downslope of his physical health at, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had concussions, he's had, he's had foot problems. And is also their best running back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you have a guy in Kenyon Barner, uh, you know, and Wendell Smallwood, a guy who's missed yeah. all of training camp. You, it almost seems like you have to pick up somebody else or you might yeah. not have anybody at, the, exactly. at that time, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, – I'm, try, I'm trying to think any other roster surprises. Anybody – any surprise cuts that could be out there? Uh, I mean, I guess Randler Givens could qualify. Yeah. You know, I, who do you I, think's a kicker on this team? Well, I mean, how about Chris? You know, Chris Maragos. You, you right. would think makes this team because just like Brayman, I mean, they're they're the two best special teams players. But if you keep Countess, do you? You know, I mean, the question. I think I think Maragos makes the team. But you know, the problem when you're always keeping a guy that cannot play. I mean, they tried playing Maragos last year. It weakened him as a special right. teams player, and he wasn't very good as a safety. Uh, you know, that's the problem. You keep a guy who can only who can't play on the line of scrimmage, it weakens you, you know, mm-hmm. but it helps your special teams. I mean, there's no question Brian Brayman is great, but he's never gonna he's never gonna pick up a sack. Yeah. I mean it's you can't keep you can't keep one extra at every position is what it right. comes to. I mean exactly keeping, yeah. Keeping a fourth personally I would probably get rid of the fourth tight end, but that's not my offense. Yeah, uh, that confuses me why they don't think of just using Selleck back there. I mean, it's not a big deal. I, plus, they only do it about three times a game anyway, so why not just move? You know, even even Kelly used to do that with uh, with Ertz or, or, or Selleck, put one of them in the backfield. Not necessarily they were, Sometimes they'd go in motion, but they, that's where they would initially line up. But that doesn't seem to be – that's not something I've seen in camp yet. No, no. Well, it's going to be interesting. I uh, – Third preseason game, do you expect the starters to play the entire first half? Yeah, I think they'll go into the third quarter. What do you What do you think of this team going into the third preseason game? I mean, yeah, they certainly have not. Uh, people, I'm sure they ask you. People ask me all the time, "What do you think?" And I can't, I can't really remember a training camp I've been to where you can actually tell how good a team is relative to the rest of the league because yeah. they're playing against each other. And you know, you can you can tell how individual players look relative to everybody else in camp, but. Yeah. You know, every twenty-yard reception that Sam Bradford throws is a twenty-yard reception that somebody on the defense gave up. Yeah. Um, what if, from a wholesale standpoint, you know, what do you think of this team? Do you think that they're, you know, tilting at windmills trying to compete this year? What 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 do the, you think? The defense has has been a pleasant surprise, but I still look at that linebacking core and think that's going to kill them. But I mean, they're better they're better and deeper at corner, mm-hmm. which killed them last year. Um, they're not, you know, they don't have any depth at safety, but you know, and I and I question 
whether they can consistently rush the passer without an elite pass rusher, which, you know, I mean, they, they have several guys that are good, you know, from Barwin to Curry, but uh, to Graham, but none of them that are, you know, guys you need to double team every down other than Fletcher Cox inside. So, um, but they played well so far. Uh, offensively, you know, some of those, you know, I, I think they can dink and dunk and do okay. I mean, because I, I, I mean, I think Bradford's been watching him throw. I mean, he is really accurate. Uh, and he he's you know he knows what he's doing out there. I mean, I, now that he has the ability to audible, um, I think that offense is going to be better. But they've got to be able to run the ball, and, and like we've just been talking about, who you know if they get some injuries there, who's going who's going to be running? I also I, I'm also I'm curious to see which version of the Andy Reid offense we see. I mean, the one in Kansas City is a lot different from the one he was running, you know, late yeah. in his career, yeah. you know, with the Eagles. And I asked Lane Johnson now. This is Lane. This was the day before he was suspended. But I asked Lane Johnson at one point in camp if he had a feel yet for what the identity of the offense was going to be, and he said essentially, "Yeah, run, run, pass." Essentially, you know, he said we're gonna we're gonna try to pound you. And I'm not sure that they have the personnel for that, but I think it's got I think it's got a chance to be a kind of a boring offense. We've seen yeah. a lot of the tight ends. Um, you know, I think you're, you see a lot of the screen game, obviously, yeah. but. It's uh, I I don't know that Bradford's had a ton of time back there during. It's that's one of the tough things at judging camp, but I don't yeah. know that he's had a ton of time back there. You're going to be seeing a lot of, you're going to be seeing a lot of pass over a short pass over the middle to to Ertz to Selick to Dar- Darren Sproles running crosses underneath a lot of that kind of stuff and 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 hope that you get yards after the catch. And that's and then I think that's one of the reasons why the defense, at least numbers wise, will look better because it's going to be a very I think it's going to be a very controlled. If you look at that Kansas yeah. City offense, it's it's very concerned. Not you know, it's still innovative, but it's innovative in a conservative way. Yeah. And and that defense has definitely benefited from. You know, it helps when you have Jamal Charles, yeah. obviously. But it, it, it it's interesting because that that Kansas City's team that first year with Reed and Peterson didn't have a heck of a lot more talent at the receiver position than the Eagles did. Yeah. So I don't know. And and then Peterson, I mean, he's a wild card in himself. Yeah. I mean, can he think on the fly? Can he call? plays on the fly i know he has frank reich there but frank has frank reich ever called plays i mean yeah. he i think mike mccoy was the was the or matt mccoy was the the uh um, yeah, mike yeah it was the uh yeah. was matt mccoy a former linebacker <laughs> yes he was <laughs> a, a bad one he was a bad one yeah uh, they need to i mean one thing they need to do and you saw it was a problem for them last year they were forever in third and longs because they were they were they were kick, killing themselves on first and second down with penalties or bad plays. You saw it last week that killed them in that preseason game. A lot too many times you were looking at Bradford in third and fifteen. They can't do that this year. I mean, if this offense is going to be successful, they've got to keep the penalties to a minimum. Don't screw up with the delay of games and and gain something on first and second down so that you're putting Bradford and the offense in manageable situations on third down. So, Jake Thompson. Yep. I've I've been talking him up for a good year and a half now. And I got to say he uh he looks nothing like I remember watching him pitch in Clearwater in those few bullpen sessions and even you know even on ta- even watching tape of him in the minors with both Detroit and these guys. 
He always, I, he always struck me as a guy who had fastball command. And, and he just... I'm sure he does. And that's why I, I'm... He I'm, looks like he's moving a million miles an hour out there. Yeah. Like, it, he just looks so crunk. crunk. Do kids say crunk now? Crunk I don't know days? what that means. I think Mary J. Blige used to say that. Okay. That was my... He looks turnt. Is that, a, is that an appropriate... I don't, use I don't use that turnt. lingo. He looks all amped up. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And, you know, he's... It's got to be incredibly difficult to make the jump from AAA to the majors. And he's pitching... Against the Dodgers, Colorado, right? So he's faced two two out of his three games were against pretty good offenses, and now he goes to Chicago tonight, which is a Tuesday. And I I would be, I would not write him off after three starts. I think that's pretty ridiculous. Well, I'm not writing him off. I'm yes, just, I'm I think you, puzzled. You, you, I think you will see the pitcher you want to see that you you said you saw in spring training. You'll see the fastball command. Uh, you know, he's just got to. He said he went through his mechanics and fine-tuned it a little bit before this start so we'll see what happens tonight and uh i just think it's easy fixes you know to command that fastball a little bit he was getting away in lehigh valley with he said throwing too many strikes he he could just kind of throw a strike and know that his stuff was that good against triple a batters that he could get away with it so now he said he learned in the majors that you know he's got to learn how to how to throw a ball and then when you throw a strike that command not only the command of your fastball but where it's actually going is important, you know, to make sure every strike you throw is in a place where it's not hittable strike. So, but it, does he talk about how, he just looks like he's moving really, 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 really fast out there? Like he's just rushing his delivery, he's rushing everything, and it, and it, that's why he's, yeah. Is that, does he talk about that at all, or am I, I, I making think that he up? Was a guy, I know, I think that's a right on thing to say. He's, you know, probably amped up to be here, try to impress a lot of people. But you get, I think you get three starts out of the way, and then I think tonight's a big one because you kind of can settle down a little bit. Yeah, I, I wrote about this this week, too. I think it was this week. It might have been last week. Who knows? Um, Carlos Carrasco, I covered him in 08 when he was the Phillies' top pitching prospect, and he kind of fell out of favor with the organization and didn't really have a great start to his career in Cleveland after he got traded. And now, all of a sudden, he's one of the most dominant pitchers in the American League. And... It's not necessarily common for guys to break out at the age of 27, but everyone moves. It's a, that's the thing you'll learn about baseball. The, the more you cover it, you can't predict it, man. Like it's everyone moves at a different speed. Like it's Aaron and guys will have great seasons followed by stinkers followed by like Eric Hosmer went up and down for a while. Brandon, Brandon belt went up and down for a while. And you just wonder, that's why that's what makes guys like Harper and trout. So amazing. It very rarely goes like that. I mean, Roy Holiday was Roy Holiday was down in the minors when he was twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, because he 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 ran into such a uh, such a funk. Velasquez is a guy. What, what do you think about him? Are you are you optimistic about him? I am, and the Phillies are optimistic about him as well. He he hasn't you know looked that great lately. But remember, before this season, he had I want to say twelve starts above Double A before this including double a mm-hmm. and the majors before this year so you know he's he's a guy that's still learning and he I, I wrote this the last time he pitched he can benefit the phillies are the kind of team that can give him the chance to benefit from the fact that they're rebuilding and he can he can get these growing pains out of the major leagues they had the chance to do that and then you see what he is next season he's a, he i would put him in the starting rotation i know some people are trying to move him to the bullpen 
but give him next year and, and see how he looks then as he learns to pitch more and, and not just learn how to throw. And then they, they really think he can be something special. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a lot of teams are calling them this winter to see if they can get him off the Phillies. So if he's on the team, would you do year, that? Would you think about that? I would definitely think about it. I would, you know, entertain the offer. If you can flip him into a, uh, you know, four prospects, say, I'm just throwing a number out there. Then you can trace back to Ken Giles trade. And this is what you got for Ken Giles. You got four more assets. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, especially when you look at the dearth of bats, I mean, there's no bats on the way, are there? There's Nick Williams. There's maybe Alfaro. Dylan Cousins, Reese Dylan, Hoskins. Yeah, but are, these guys are like very, they're not high probability major leaguers. I don't think I, I would I wouldn't write them off. They're I'm not guys. writing them off, yeah. but what I'm saying is, what what are the odds I don't that know. any of them is better than Michael Franco? Well, I think Franco is your. But I mean, Franco, Franco this year. Of this well, that's contending that, Phillies team. Nah, I don't think that's true. Yeah, not at the, not at the not at his prediction this year. I mean, how, look how young he is, though. No, I know, but I'm saying when I say Franco, I mean the Franco we're seeing this year. That's he's so young. That's why. Right. I'm saying his production. What I'm saying is I don't envision them no, I know, as guys. But I mean he he's I don't envision of, Dylan Cousins as anything more than a seven hitter if everything goes right. If everything goes right? Yeah. I mean probabil probabilistically. Like what this is what I'm saying. What are the odds Dylan Cousins? What are the if odds everything goes right? No, okay. So what are the odds that in 4 years everything has gone right and Dylan Cousins is your cleanup hitter? I don't know. But he neither of these guys came out of nowhere. They're both I know. somewhat high picks. They, both but what I'm saying is Michael Frank, but you know Michael Franco was supposed to be this guy. Yeah, he's not hit like a centerpiece player yet. We're seeing how hard it is to become that. Definitely, guy. Michael Franco will be a raging success even if he maintains his current level of production. But his current level of pro- production is a six or seven hole hitter on a playoff team. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I, I really argue with me. Argue with me. Make your point. I like Franco. He's what hell is he? Oh, I like him. Twenty three nice years old. I'm not saying he's, I like him because he's nice. Twenty three years old. A lot of guys don't even get to the majors till they're twenty three. Yeah. A lot of top prospects. So you're talking about his production. That's why I'm saying look how young he is. I understand. So then he's you know youngest Phillies uh, third baseman to hit tw- uh, fifteen or twenty home runs since Scott Rowland. Right now, Michael Franco, as as of the recording of this podcast, mm-hmm. twenty three years old. 500 plate appearances, 253 batting average, 309 on base percentage, 444 slugging percentage. That's a 753 OPS. Definitely not the And 22 best home runs. That's Pedro Feliz numbers, buddy. <laughs> that isn't better than Pedro that, Feliz. That is absolutely not better than Pedro Feliz. Do you want me to read? How many home runs did Feliz have in 08? I'm going to tell you right now. But I would... How old was Pedro Feliz in 08, too? He wasn't 23. Oh, let's not start changing the argument. <laughs> All right. All right. It was better than Pedro Feliz in that. Yeah, no kidding. No but kidding. it was not better than Pedro Feliz in 2004 when he was 29 for the Giants and he hit 276, 305, 485, 790 OPS, 22 home runs. How old was Feliz? 29. How old's Franco? 29. I understand. I understand your argument. I'm just saying yeah, I, I just, he he's going to need to improve as a hitter. De- definitely. And I that's why I'm, he's 23. He will improve. Or at least is that guaranteed? There's a chance. There's a good chance he will improve. Don, Dominic Brown was 23 one time. So every every prospect gets compared to Dominic Brown. No, I'm just saying that. To me, it's a false 
logic to say I that think he's going to be any interest and intrigue and Dylan Cousins and Reese Hoskins to see I, what I they do next year. I absolutely think there's tons of intrigue. What I'm saying there's is there's a chance that there's the, absolutely a chance. Dylan what I'm was saying the guy is they drafted for this potential and he's now showing it. Absolutely. I was I was covering the team when they drafted I Dylan Cousins. Were. They love Dylan Cousins. They talked they he, that was the only player they talked about on draft day about how much they love this kid. He's got huge power. All I am saying is it takes a lot for that kind of power to translate. I mean, Reese Hoskins, what's what's there to think that he's not the next Darren Ruff? He had a really good year last year, average-wise. Okay. Darren Ruff didn't? I, I think Darren Ruff kind of came out of nowhere. And Darren Ruff was older at AA than Reese Hoskins. How old is Reese Hoskins? I want to say he's 23 or 24. I think you might be talking about your keister guy. here, son. No, I'm not. I I've, I wrote this. You got to read your Sunday minor league report. <laughs> Darren Ruff. How old was he in o, uh, 2012? In 2012, he was 25 years old. Okay. How old? He hit 317. He hit 317. Should I say that again? 317, 408, on base percentage, 620 OPS with 32 home runs for those fighting fills. We've got some breaking news after the break here when you get through this argument. Well, I mean, you can't just tease us like that. Our Madden league, we just the teams just got drafted. Oh, okay, Reese Hoskins is twenty three years old, two seventy seven, three sixty seven, five sixty five, thirty five home runs, one hundred seventeen strikeouts as well. Look, I, I'm not I'm not discounting the guy. I'm just saying the Eagles or the Phillies could certainly use some bats. I mean, look at these they teams. Look could. at these teams that they're going to be. When I when I talk about centerpiece players, I'm talking about Chris Bryant. I'm talking about the entire Cubs lineup. Do they, would Michael Franco? Be in the Cubs lineup. Who's the Cubs third baseman? It's a great question. I was asking that so you would talk for a little bit because I'm looking up these. Yeah, stats. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think I agree that they need some bat. They need some arms, really. And I know they have, you know, a lot of young pitchers right now, but they need a, a true dominant ace. Does that come through free agency? Should they have drafted an ace this year with the number one pick? I don't know, but we'll see. Because right now, I think you're seeing with all these guys, young guys, are you're seeing how fragile pitchers are. Oh, we're, I, both of us are dumb. What? The Cubs third baseman is a guy named Chris Bryant. You may, Never have, heard of him. You may have heard of him. Uh, the only player, the only two regulars who are hitting worse than Michael Franco in the Cubs lineup are... Right fielder Jason Hayward, who a number of Phillies fans wanted them to sign to a twenty-year, twenty-year, four hundred million dollar extension. Yeah, uh, th- those were some great Twitter conversations. You guys can feel free to reach out to me at one eight hundred Tannenwald if you would like to revisit the Jason Hayward argument. Uh, Jason Hayward enters enters uh, the prime of his career hitting two twenty-five, three hundred four, three twenty, but plays good right field, I guess. And then Miguel, Miguel, Miguel Montero is the, the other one, 187, 317, 314, 631. What I, when I say the Phillies need bats, they need the centerpiece bats. Like To me, Michael Franco at this point is a complimentary bat, unless he can start taking some pitches, which he's never done before in his entire career. Mickey Moniak could be a centerpiece bat. That's five, but that's what I'm saying. That's four years bat. from now. Are you going to wait four years from now? Four years from Mickey now? Mickey Moniak, is, he's, he looks like a 19-year-old Matt Breen Walking onto Temple's campus, he's a little more fit than I was. At very skinny. Yeah, he uh, he, he's not a Mike Trout. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you got to wait four years for the, the, the bats. So that's from what we're gonna do. We're just gonna we're just gonna to come up four year rebuild. 
all that Comcast money could be spent. Well, let me tell you a little story about a guy named Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs, who at one point thought they were looking at a long rebuild. And they decided to go out and trade a guy named Andrew Kashner for a guy named Anthony Rizzo, who at the moment is hitting 301, 399, 566 with 25 home runs. That's a 966 OPS. That's the trade I have in mind when I ask whether they should be shopping a guy like Vince Velasquez. They sure, of course, of course. I think everybody, and I would even say Aaron Nola would have been tradable if he wasn't injured right now. And I, I think this front office wants to get creative. They want to do those types of trades, and this was the winner to really do it. You know, you had one season of evaluating all these guys, and now you could get creative, get those assets. When get, you say this winter, you mean the one coming up or the past? The one, one? coming up. Okay. They, they didn't, you know, they came in really right before the winter meetings last year. Didn't really know a lot about who these Phillies were that they were taking over. Man, that Cubs team is good. Have you watched them much? Yeah, I was out there for the Memorial Day weekend series. They are really good. They Matt, swept the Phillies. Matt Breen, Matt Breen, in case he's fading in and out of your your hoopty, My head's on a swivel the, the, in here. Ste- the stereo in your hoopty struggling with the concept of talking into a microphone. Well, we should have mics attached like pop singers, you know, attached to our ears coming so over. So we can say, turn, turn my headphones up? Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's actually checking his Madden. You, you got to tell the, tell the good people of the Delaware Valley what, what this thing is you got me into. I'm in a Madden league on the PS4. Madden came that, out what today. Is, tell the adults what that stands for. Ma- Madden's a football game. No, PS. A PlayStation 4? Come okay. on, everyone knows that. Dude. So, don't come, don't, don't come at me with anything brought, over the SNES 16-bitter. Last season was my first year in the Madden League. They've been doing it for a season before that, I think, is when it started. And Murph knew about it because I brought my system down to Clearwater, remember? So I had it hooked up in my, oh, in my condo Oh, I remember. There. And that was the big talk of the, you know, at the games, I would update everybody how my Madden team was doing. I actually won the Super Bowl in Cl- or during spring training, but I was home for the weekend when I won Matt, with the Indianapolis Colts. It's pretty awesome. Matt Breen, Matt Breen had his own lunch table at at, uh, at Bright House Networks Field. That's not true. <laughs> so now I get a text on. So your so your so your buddies have this league where they div- they, they essentially do a fantasy draft on on yeah. Madden. And they, they all form their own teams, and then they play each and other. And you're the correct? owner of that team, and you play it. You play the, through the schedule. Like Murph's the San Diego Chargers. I have the uh, Detroit Lions this year. We got to pick our own team. So when do I find out who's on my squad? Right now. I can, oh, nice. The guy who's at home right now doing the Oh, draft. is this the breaking news you were this teasing? This is the breaking news. Okay. You thought it was real news? This is Murph I was has not hurt go- his team. The <laughs> I, first, your, your quarterback, Cam Newton. Oh, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Can, we, can you do trades? Yes. All right. And you can trade with the computers. Not that hard. I got a trade I mean, I'm sure Cam Tavon New- Austin last year. And Tavon Austin's like a really good Madden player. I'm sure Cam Newton is a sick Madden player, right? Cam Newton's sick. Yeah. I just don't like Cam Newton. Me neither, but that's a good pick. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But anyway, I thank you, Matt Breen. No problem. For joining me in this wonderful office. Beautiful office. Our listening audience and our fine friends at Holman Cadillac. Holman. Cadillac. Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> We'll uh, we'll have to have you back in here, uh, and and give some updates on the Madden League on the Madden League weekly update. As long as it's not too much different from Super Nintendo Madden '96 and Super Nintendo, I should be all right. You'll enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I had like Charlie Garner like had 2,500 yards rushing one season for me. (laughs) Uh, The glitch. You want to talk about glitches? You could find some serious like the halfback toss sweep in that game. Unstoppable with Charlie Garner. All you had to do is beat someone to the corner. Um. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks, dude.
Hey folks, before you move on to whatever other podcasts you listen to, one last thing. Holman Cadillac and Mount Laurel sponsors not another Philly sports talk show. Cadillac is the standard for American luxury cars, and Holman Cadillac in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, is the standard for a luxury car buying experience. See Holman Cadillac's extensive selection of new and Cadillac-certified pre-owned vehicles with over 400 on the ground and more coming in to choose from. Go to HolmanCadillac.com or call 866-865-6973.